This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. This is where the fun begins. Chewing. We're home. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Blue Mill Cafe. Grab an empty stool at the counter, order a cup of Jawa juice and a nice slice of Yogan fruit pie, and get ready because we're about to talk all things Star Wars. Good morning, Moss Hespa, and welcome back into the cafe. This is episode 112. I'm your host, Jeff, and no, you're not hearing things. I am back. I know it's been a while since episode 111. It's been since April 16th, I believe, was the last episode. And the reason for that is, for some reason, I was, after I recorded episode 111... The next day I woke up and I was just like kind of feeling down and out and blah. And then as the week went on and some news about Star Wars and stuff came out, it just didn't excite me like it usually did. And I started getting worried. I'm like, why don't I care? Why am I just like, eh, whatever. Why am I like that? This is Star Wars. Same thing with Marvel. Same thing with DC. News was coming out about this stuff and I'm just like, eh, eh whatever and I'm not usually like that and it was it was troubling to me and I don't know why I was feeling like this and when you don't know why you're feeling like the way you are it's very frustrating and I didn't want to record an episode and have that reflect on you guys because I I, I really do believe that you could tell in someone's tone of voice when they're talking about something they love when they lose a little bit of passion for it and they're talking about it, you could tell this person doesn't care anymore. And I didn't want that to happen with me in my episodes, so I held off until something came along to pull me out of that. And what came along and pulled me out of that funk was Kenobi premiering yesterday on Disney+. Plus. And for those lucky enough to get to go to Celebration, I believe they saw it on Thursday night at Celebration. But I saw it last night, the first two episodes, and boy, I can't wait to talk about it. So I really am thinking I'm going to have to thank Obi-Wan Kenobi for pulling me out of whatever hazy, cloud, miserable stuff I was I was in. They pulled, he, he pulled me out of it. And consider this your spoiler warning, because from here on out, I'm going to be spoiling the first two episodes of Kenobi. 
But before I do that, just let me say a little programming note. I'm not sure if I'm back week to week or if this is going to be, you know, play it by ear situation where do I feel like recording an episode next week? No, I don't. I'm just going to see how I feel the following week. So, but with what I'm about to talk about here with the first two episodes of Kenobi, I think you're going going to begin an episode at least once a week until this series is concluded. But I'm not making any promises again because, you know, sometimes, you know, mental health is a very touch-and-go thing. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But as of right now, let's start talking about the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, episode one... Just keep in mind, when I sat down to watch these last night, I was still in that whatever state of mind for Star Wars. I sat down, we turned it on, and immediately I started getting chills, goosebumps, and I sat forward in my seat a little bit when the classic blue font came up that says, a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away, dot, dot, dot. Because that has never opened any... Star Wars TV series don't open like that. They don't open with that. So this was different. This right away was different to me and kind of like took me aback and off guard. And then we see a a very well put together recap of Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship up until this point. And then they start the show. And the show starts with a beautiful shot of Coruscant. And they pull in from that shot of Coruscant, and we come into the Jedi Temple, into a training room with younglings and a female Jedi with an awesome green lightsaber. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what is this? I thought this was after Order 66. And then it hit me right before those doors opened. We are finally getting to see live-action Order 66. Now, I know you're saying, time out, what about Revenge of the Sith? Yes, Revenge of the Sith had Order 66 in it, but, excuse me, not the way we saw it in this episode. We saw, yeah, we saw background, you know, fighting here and there in Revenge of the Sith, but this was just somehow different to me. Just seemed different and fresh to me. I mean, we saw it in Bad Batch, we saw Order 66 in the Clone Wars animated series with much more detail, but this seemed fresh to me. This seemed like a fresh live take on Order 66. And that female Jedi, whoever she was, she was kicking butt there for a while. I thought she was going to get out of there alive with her younglings, but unfortunately... The clones did overwhelm her and gun her down. But she really was holding her own for a while and kicking some major league butt. And I really enjoyed that. And then the younglings said, you know, we're just running. They ran across the suspension bridge there that was like, well, not necessarily a suspension bridge, but it's a, a bridge inside the Jedi Temple that overlooks the big area. While you saw clones and Jedi fighting and getting gunned down and stuff. So... That was the opening, and then it says 10 years later, and then we go to Tatooine. And when we get to Tatooine, I believe 
we see the Inquisitor ship flying over, I believe, that is Moss Eisley. If I'm not mistaken, Moss Espa was the one that was in Book of Boba. So I believe this is Moss Eisley. Correct me if I'm wrong. I always get them mixed up. But I believe this was supposed to be Moss Eisley. We see the Inquisitor ship fly over. They land. You see the Grand Inquisitor. You see the Fifth Brother. You see Reva walk out. Now, I don't know her sister number yet because I don't think it was revealed yet. And if it was revealed before the show, I it just got lost on me because I was in my hazy, I don't care about Star Wars funk. So later on, we find out she's the third sister but I'm going to probably be referring to her as Reva. I, I mean, right from the hop, the, when we first get to introduce to her character in this little opening here, I, I like Reva. Reva, I, I like her as Inquisitor. She's a badass. She ain't taking crap from no one, and that includes anyone higher up than her. And I just, she's just a badass. So, they're walking up the streets, and all of a sudden, the Grand Inquisitor stops, and it looks like, to me, the look on his face, it looks like you could almost smell the Jedi. Because he got that look, he kind of like, his nose like kind of went up just slightly, like he sniffed something, and then he turns, gets smiles a little bit, turns towards the cafe slash saloon, and walks that way. And I said to myself, can he smell him? So... He, he walks in there, and he confronts the bartender. They they talk. The Grand Inquisitor gives his little speech that was part of the first trailer about the Jedi's compassion is their weakness is compassion, this and that. And then just as he's approaching the bartender one last time, as he's building up to the dramatic conclusion of his speech, Reva picks up a knife and throws it at the bartender, and the Jedi that was sitting at the table uses the Force to stop the knife. And, of course, the Jedi gets up and runs, and Reva cuts him off. The famous scene from the trailer there where Reva just jumps in front of him with her lightsaber. And the Grand Inquisitor dresses Reva down. He said, you know, stand down. He, Grand Inquisitor uses a force to stop her lightsaber just as it's burning the Jedi's arm as she went to strike him down. And the Jedi gets away, runs away, and the fifth brother takes off after him. And Reva just thinks these are little fish that they're after. But if you think about it, that's the Inquisitor's job, is to hunt down and eradicate the Jedi. Either to kill them or to turn them into Inquisitors. That's their job. But Reva... She has enough session to catch Kenobi. Apparently, she's, her and the fifth brother have been after Kenobi for 10 years. So, she really wants Kenobi. And um, the Grand Inquisitor's had none of it. He's like, you will do what I tell you to do, and we're going to go after these other Jedi, and when we run across Obi-Wan, we'll take care of him then, basically, is what she, he's telling her. And she looks like she kind of relents to him, but really, you know, under her breath, she's like, yeah, whatever. Consider forgotten. I don't think so. You know? So, then we go, and we meet Obi-Wan, 
for the first time in the show. He is actually working. He has a job. He is working at what I would call a mobile meatpacking plant. We come across the desert of Tatooine and we see this big dead fish looking thing stuck in the sand there sideways. It looks like a fish. It looks like a giant stingray or manta ray or something there stuck in the sand, but it's huge. And they have these scaffolding hooks, you know, set up, running alongside of it. People are up on there cutting the meat off. And then there's this like conveyor belt that goes down the center of the center of it. And you have the people that are cutting the meat, cubing the meat, and packing it. And that's what Obi-Wan's job is. And it looks like at the end of every shift, Obi-Wan cuts a little piece of meat off, puts it in a little cloth, and sticks it in his apron. And we find out that he is doing that to feed to his Eopi, Europi, Eopi. Not sure how you pronounce it, but I'm going to say Eropi. Because that's how I think it's pronounced. Who knows? That could be. But anyway, that's what he's doing. He's feeding it to his Eopi every time he gets back in the town to ride, to ride him home every night. And we, you know, we see a little altercation between another employee and the boss man about wages. And he, you know, Obi-Wan gives the boss man a hard look. And the boss man's, of course, like, you got something to say? And of course, Obi-Wan says nothing because he can't reveal himself. And so they show him on the little there, uh, the, the space bus that takes him back to Moss Eisley. He gets his Eopi and he go he, he rides home. And when he gets home, we see that he's not living in his hobble yet, his hut. He's not in his house. He's living in a cave. And I just like, wow, I, he's living in a cave. Okay. So then we see a Jawa come. Apparently this Jawa comes to him maybe every evening to see if he wants to buy or sell anything. Because, you know, that's what the Jawas do. And of course, this little Jawas been stealing parts off of Obi-Wan's evaporator and selling them the parts back to Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan had a nice little line of, uh, if you're going to steal my parts and sell them back to me, can you at least clean them first? And of course, Jawas says, you know, cleaning's extra. And I thought that was really funny. But basically, the... Jawa was bringing this toy, like a toy spaceship, to um, Obi-Wan, and obviously Obi-Wan was going to give that to Luke. And we see that after Obi-Wan had, Obi Obi has nightmares, he, the next morning he goes and he checks on Luke. And it's a scene from the trailer where he's looking at his binoculars through, and he sees Luke and Owen. He sees Luke go and run off, and it, it's a cute little scene, I think. And then at, after the sun goes down, Obi-Wan rides the Opie over to the homestead, lays the package there at the door, and leaves. And then we see a confrontation, quick confrontation with the Jedi that was in the cafe slash saloon, confronting Obi-Wan at night in the desert, trying to tell him, hey, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Kenobi's no, no, my name is Ben. And the kid's asking him, what happened to you? You used to be a great Jedi. And now I'm going to have a little, it's going to sound like a rant here, but 
I, I paused the episode to express this to my wife. I said, see, I said, this is what, this is what ticked me off about The Last Jedi after The Last Jedi came out. And some of some people, their major complaint was, see, this is not my Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker would never do this. Luke Skywalker would never, ever run away. He was a great Jedi. He was strong. He would never do that. Well, I give you Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it just goes to prove my point of what I said back then. I had said, no matter how strong of a person you think you are, or how strong of a person you are, everybody has a breaking point that something traumatic happens to them that just breaks them completely and all they want to do is run away and hide. It happened to Obi-Wan, it happened to Luke. It is possible. And I really got irritated with people saying that as their, when their main reasons they hated The Last Jedi was, that's not Luke Skywalker, he would never act like that. And I say a big B-F to that. And Obi, this, this show just proved my point, and I was so happy that scene was in there. So next time someone comes at me with, with that crap that, oh, Luke Skywalker would never do that. That's why I hate uh, Last Jedi. I'm going to point him to this episode and say, watch this scene right here. Same thing happened to Obi-Wan. What are, you, are, you, are you saying that's not your Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan was a great Jedi. Luke was a great Jedi. They both were broken down completely. And they both built themselves back up. So I don't want to hear that as an excuse anymore. And now I will step back down off my soapbox. And people can go to my Twitter and tell me how wrong I am about that. But anyway, I'm just glad that scene was in there to prove that anyone can be broken. Even the greatest of Jedi. Anyway, then we go from that scene to probably a scene or... We're going to a place, and to see some people, I did not think we would see in this series. Honestly, I really didn't think we would see. They come up over the shot, beautiful water, snow-capped mountains, beautiful city, you know, skyline of the city. And I was like, oh my god, that's Alderaan. And I was like, we're finally getting to see a good look of Alderaan. We saw a quick little glimpse of it in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. But this, oh my god, we're, we're seeing Alderaan. And that's, my mind instantly clicked. Oh my god, we are going to see a 10-year-old Leia. Never thought Leia would be in this series. Really, no need for Leia in this series. Well... I'm not, need is a kind of a weird word to use there. There, I didn't think Leia would be in this series because this is about Obi-Wan watching Luke, Tatooine, blah, blah, blah. Well, we saw a 10-year-old Leia. And I must say, 10-year-old Leia, lover. Why? Because 10-year-old Leia is 19-year-old Leia is 50-year-old Leia is it's it's Leia uh, defiant doesn't want to take orders from anybody doesn't want to do what she's told 
it was just awesome to see. And the actress they got to play little Leia is so cute. And I really can. I can look at that little 10-year-old girl's face and see Carrie Fisher in her face. So I really think, think they did a great job of casting her and she was cute as anything. Didn't find her annoying at all. She was just so cute and her little droid was just so cute. And we got to see her mom, forgive me, I can't think of her name right off the top of my head, but we, we only saw her really quick at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And here we're seeing her, more of her. We're seeing Bail. And of course, I'm just going to run through this real quick. You, you saw C3, a quick glimpse of three, C3PO and R2D2. You got to see 10 year old Leia talk, take her cousin down a notch. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, of course, Leia goes out to play in the woods because she doesn't want to apologize to her cousin, which I didn't think she had to apologize. She did nothing wrong. But anyway, that's a, that's a different thing. She ran off to the woods to get captured by bounty hunters, and the bounty hunter was played by Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Needles himself, I was expecting to him to look at her and say, What are you, chicken? But no, I didn't get that line. But it was Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and that was awesome to see him again. He kidnaps, him and his buddies kidnap Leia, and of course, it was Reva that hired them. Why? Because it was going to draw Obi-Wan out to rescue her, because she knew that Bale would go after Obi-Wan to bring her home. So... The first episode ends with Obi-Wan going to the spaceport and getting on public transport to head out to, I forget the name of the planet, to the rescue attempt of Leia. And of course, the second episode begins with a recap. And then we get um, them holding Leia in this place and we get to see Obi-Wan walking down the street to the city. Like I said, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I just got done watching him again. I'm so sorry. And we actually hear Tamir Morrison's voice asking for change and you could asking for credit credits. And you could see him holding an old clone clone trooper helmet. And I'm like, oh my god. My wife and I thought it was either Cody or Rex right away, but of course it wouldn't be that. But um, it was one of the old clones. Full beard, one of the old clones. So Tamir Morrison had a cameo. It was awesome. Um, and anyway, long story short, Obi-Wan gets in, finds Leia, thinks he's going to break her out, but you know what? Nope. He walks in the cell. It's a dummy sitting in a chair. It's like an old droid sitting in a chair with a cloak over it. Flea and his buddies come in. Think they got the drop on Obi-Wan, but no. Obi-Wan remembers, hey, I still got some fight in me. And, you know, kicks their butt, finds Leia, and gets out of there. 
and, um, oh, I skipped over a part. Um, I forget his name too, but he was in the Eternals. Very funny guy. Very funny actor. Um, he, I thought he was going to be playing a Jedi. No, he was playing a con artist Jedi. Helping people by pretending he was a Jedi. But he, he sees that Reva sets a bounty on Obi-Wan and one of his little kids come, that works for him comes in and says, Hey, we had him. You let him go. Look at this bounty on him. So they take off and you think he's going to go out there and, you know, get Obi-Wan to turn him in. No, he goes out there, finds Obi-Wan and helps him and Leia get to a safe ship so they can get off world away from the Inquisitors. So he tells them where to go and he goes to try to, you know, delay the third sister, which he does, but she does the mind reading thing on him and gets where Obi-Wan is. And his last conference, the, the confrontation that he has with the third sister, they're in the hangar. He tells Leia to run to the ship. Um, and as she's, you know, taunting Obi-Wan as he's hiding behind crates and stuff, the Grand Inquisitor shows up and starts yelling at the or the third sister saying, hey, you know, I told you we're not going to do this now. And she goes, but he's right here. We have him. And he was like, we will deal with that. He was like, but you will not, you know, do anything further, blah, blah, blah. And she turns around and jams her lightsaber through the chest cavity of the Grand Inquisitor. And I was in shock because I could swear that Kanan is the one that killed the Grand Inquisitor. So, my question is, is this a different Grand Inquisitor? And are those marks on his head just the marks of the of a Grand Inquisitor, like a, like a captain's uh, bars or stuff like that? Is that what those are on his head? Or is he not really dead somehow and they're going to do the Darth Maul and Emperor thing and bring him back to life. I do not know, but that just that moment just put me in shock. And I if if it's me, what would I prefer? I'm not going to be upset either way because you know me, I wasn't upset when they brought Darth Maul back. I was not upset when the Emperor came back. I was ecstatic with both choices. But in this case what I would prefer is my first thing I said where this was a different Grand Inquisitor and the one that Kanan kills is was his replacement and those marks on their heads are like the captain's bars for Grand Inquisitors. So that's my that's my take on it but I don't know I'll be interested in what everyone else out there has to say but yeah, that's what happens with that. So supposedly the Grand Inquisitor is no more. And because of that distraction, Obi-Wan and Leia get away. But before Obi-Wan gets away, Reva refer reveals to Obi-Wan a truth that Obi-Wan did not know until this point. Anakin is still alive. So the question has been answered. Obi-Wan went for 10 years thinking Anakin was dead. He is alive. He, find, he is Darth Vader. 
and he's alive. Well, he knew he was Darth Vader, but he's alive. He's not dead, he's alive. So, that kind of took Obi-Wan aback. You could tell by the look on his face. And after he gets in the ship and him and Leia take off, Leia was asking him, if you, are you okay, Obi-Wan? And he just looked like he was in shock. And then the then Obi-Wan says Anakin and they go and show Anakin in the back of the tank. And as they pull back, you can see the mask on him as he's in the back of the tank, his eyes open, you hear the breathing, and that's when they go to credits. And I just got goosebumps again just by talking about it. I cannot wait till next Wednesday's episode to see what's next because I think Obi-Wan you did bring my excitement for Star Wars back and I think I was just in a little haze a little you know Star Wars drought there where I wasn't getting excited because even though news was coming out about new stuff about Star Wars I'm like yeah but it's that's not until 2023 you know whatever but I am this kind of like pulled me out of that haze, that funk, that, you know, little out, out depression I was in. So it looks like I'm going to be back. Hopefully, I'm not promising, but hopefully every week until at least until the Obi-Wan series is concluded, then maybe I'll take a break again for a little bit and then come back with some new fresh stuff. But in until then, I mean, I'm. I think this has pulled me out of my funk. I mean, I even this morning I even watched um, the stuff from the live stream from Celebration from Thursday. Today I'm hoping to watch some stuff from the Friday uh, live stream, and I'm hoping to get some of the live stream in later on this afternoon of Celebration. So yeah, I'm sort of back. I'm sort of back, and even though. Celebration does also make me kind of down and depressed too because I, even though I like watching it, I just know I'm watching it going, you know what, I'll never probably be there because I just can't, I, I just can't. I, I just know I can't, I can never go to Celebration and it just makes me a little blue, but you know, I, I realized by watching the live stream, you know what, that doesn't matter. I, I still love Celebration, I still love Star Wars, I, I still love, you know, this, this world that George Lucas has created, and I can't wait to talk more about it. So, as always, until next time, I have spoken. Give the evacuation code signal. Thank you for stopping by the cafe. Life is all about passions. Thank you for lending me your ear while I shared all of mine. You can follow the Blue Milk Cafe on Twitter at that BMC Pod. You can follow the Facebook group, the BMC Pod. You can also email 
the Blue Mill Cafe, that bmcpod at gmail.com. And remember, Blue Milk, it does a body good. Anyway. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Red 5 Network.